uh, phrase you're going to hear me repeat a lot today is the phrase, pay attention. Go ahead and poke your neighbor and say, pay attention. And I want to differentiate the, the phrase, pay attention, from simply hearing or listening. When you're paying attention, you're actually intentionally engaged in what's going on. And that's what's necessary if you are going to resist the great drift that's going on. We're no longer just a little boat on a, on a placid, you know, body of water with a little bit of motion. You might drift off a little bit here and there. There are supernatural forces arrayed against this culture and against the body of Christ in this nation. There are tsunami-type waves, and there are hurricane-force winds. And if you're going to prevent drifting in your life, you're going to have to understand some things from the Word of God today. So start with me over in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. This is from the New American Standard Bible. Scripture says, For this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. It's never been more critical for us to not just pay attention, but pay even closer attention to what we have heard. Why? Because if we don't, we're going to drift away. And we don't drift away in terms of a, a church as a whole or the body of Christ. We drift away one individual believer at a time. This literally means to, to flow by, that is to carelessly pass or miss, to let something slip. To drift is to be slowly and gradually carried away by currents, winds, or forces of circumstances. In other words, we begin to drift from right believing and from right behaving. Look at your neighbor and say, right believing and right behaving. If I had to sum up the drift, that's what I would say. Say it again, right believing and right behaving. Say it again, right believing and right behaving. Which means if there's a right believing, there's a wrong believing. If there's a right behaving, then there's a wrong behaving. And that's what we're facing right now. Uh, Isaiah said this in chapter 28, verse 23. Listen and hear my voice. Pay attention and hear what I say. There's the exclamation. Pay attention. Look at somebody else and tell them, pay attention. Proverbs 4, 1 says, listen, my sons, to the Father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. We're not going to gain understanding or wisdom if we're not paying attention. I think what the Spirit of God is telling us right now is we need to be at a heightened level of awareness, not a denser level of awareness. There are really many things arrayed against us, but how many know greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world? You know, when I think about that, that, that shot there at the end when he brings the flag down, look at that ragtag bag that was what was left of our army to, right before we won the victory in that war. Well, in a lot of ways, that's a picture of what the body of Christ looks like right now. They're wounded and they're beaten up, but thank God they're still playing. Amen? Amen. And thank God there are people who pick up, pick up the banner and run with it. Amen. Just when we think we're about to give up the ghost and quit and all this loss, somebody comes along with the banner and say, you know what? We're not quitters. Amen. Come on, say, we're not quitters. We're not quitters. And if you don't quit, you don't lose. That's the message for us as, as children of God. You know, I want to give you today a very simple principle. It's what I call the law of compounding spirituality. The law of compounding spirituality. You've heard of compounding interest. It just simply means that each generation, the drift will get progressively worse without strong effect to stay connected. Today, that drift is accelerated. So what this means is, if you're drifting, your kids are going to drift farther than you. 
If they drift further, your grandkids will drift further than them. Somebody needs to put their foot down and say, enough is enough. To hear the uncompromised word of God and have the guts to lay hold of it, amen? To receive the hard word from the pulpit, don't get offended by it. Because we are drifting. And if we drift, our kids will drift further and their kids will drift further and this nation will not survive that kind of progression. It will compound one generation after the other. But the opposite is also true. If we'll be on fire for God, our kids will be more on fire for God. And their grandkids will be more on fire for God. And we'll have a positive effect in the future in this generation, in this culture, in this world, and not a negative effect. There are a lot of losses that come with this drift, a loss of focus and a loss of productivity. We're missing out on what God has for us, a a lack of effectiveness or influence. If we feel like we're losing influence in this world, the more we drift, the more we will lose influence in this world. You do not reach the world by being the world. That's the big lie that has invaded the church the past 30 years. If we'll just be like them, then they'll listen to us. The more you're like them, the less they listen to you. Our zeal is cost. Our purpose, our sense of purpose is lost. Our peace and our joy and our victory are all consequences of this drift. You can't drift from the things of God and expect to have these forces operating in your life. So I don't know where you are today. You may be tied, well tied to the things of God, or you may be loosely connected by a rope that's about to, you know, go by the wayside, or you're disconnected completely, or you're way out there on the ocean right now all alone. I don't know where you are. I can tell you this. God has a way to bring you back and reconnect you. He doesn't want his people drifting anymore. Proverbs 16.20 says this from the Amplified, He who pays attention to the word of God will find good And blessed, happy, prosperous to be admired as he who trusts confidently in the Lord. There are a lot of individual reasons why we drift. And I want you to understand this. It's not just individual reasons for the drift. There are also cultural reasons for the drift. But let's start with us as individuals. First of all, temptation is a major reason we drift. And I don't just mean temptation, but yielding to temptation. Every time you yield to sin, you're going to drift. And the remedy for that is to repent, repent quickly, and get back on your saddle and ride. You can have an amen today. Temptation is one of the reasons. Isolation is another. You think that you're going to live victoriously and not drift from the pure teaching of right conduct and right, you know, right practice. You think you're going to do that by yourself, isolating yourself, you know, sitting at your coffee table week after week instead of coming to the house of God, thinking you're somehow going to do this on your own. It's not going to happen. You're going to continue to drift. And oftentimes we don't even know we're drifting. Isolation will do it as an individual. Condemnation will do it. Okay, so you blew it. You failed. You made a mistake. You did something that was wrong. You know what? You should not spend the rest of your life paying for that psychologically, mentally, and emotionally, and spiritually. Somebody paid for that sin for you. Your job is to repent and confess. But condemnation will never draw you closer to God. Condemnation will disconnect you from God. The Spirit of God is He who convicts. And when you're convicted, you're drawn closer to God. But it's the devil that brings condemnation and it severs that relationship between you and the Lord. Not just condemnation, but also distraction. This is a generation of distraction. Everywhere you look is something to pull your attention away from the things of God. 
Some people, well-meaning, are just distracted by things and they're drifting from the things of God. It's not because they decided to. It's just everything else has their attention. Everything. And that's where, you know, lots of influences can, can come into the culture and certainly do this. But you and I have the ability to turn things off, to turn our ears away, to close our eyes to things, but we still have the ability to overcome that. Distractions, one, another one is persecution. Don't expect persecution to be toned down in this nation. Expect it to continue to increase. They're not going to love you if you're a Jesus lover. Jesus said, woe, what, unto you? If what? If all men speak well of you. Now, some of you don't have that problem, amen, because they don't. But if you're, if you're going to work to the approval of people, you're going to drift from the things of God. Here's another one. Frustration at things that didn't work out in life. Frustration over losses in life or things you're grieving over just like the movie or, or sense of failure in life. You, you're just a frustrated person. If you're not careful, you'll drift from the things of God while holding on to that frustration. How do you understand you're not a loser until you quit? So what do you do? You get back up again. What does a righteous man do? Fall seven times, but what does he do? He gets back up again. The scripture says, you know, when I fall, I shall what? I shall arise. Come on, shout it out with me. When I fall, I shall arise. That's what we do. But if we stay down, we're going to drift. Get up, we'll stand and move on in the things of God. Not just frustration, but intimidation. There are forces out there trying to shut you down and shut you up and keep you quiet all over the land. You know what? You and I have a responsibility to speak up in this generation. But everything's telling us to shut up. We don't want to hear what you have to say. Don't talk about the word. Don't talk about the truth. Don't talk about Jesus as the only way. Don't talk about our morality. Don't talk about what we think. No, we're not going to shut up. We're going to get that Bartimaeus spirit on us. We're going to keep up speaking, and we're going to speak up all the more. Can I have an amen? Intimidation is out there. But you see, if you'll yield to that spirit of fear, you'll drift. Stay in faith, you'll stay connected. Begin to get into fear, and you will drift from the things of God. And then, of course, a powerful one is deception. We've often said this, but the problem with deception is people who are deceived don't know they're deceived. So what we have to do is be on the front, on the ready, on the active guard, not being deceived. But when we're deceived, of course, we're going to drift. Deceived the thinking that this is good enough. Deceived in the thinking that everybody's doing it. Deceived the thinking this is the way it is to be a Christian today in America. Listen, we don't want to be what America says a Christian should be. We want to be what the Bible says a Christian should be. And that's a total different standard. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.16, Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things, for by doing so you'll save both yourself and those what? Who hear you. See what's going on here? You and I need to pay attention to what? Our conduct and our beliefs. Because they just don't impact us. They impact everyone else around us. We're not going to just disconnect and drift on our own. I, pre I promise you, somebody else is going to see you drift and drift with you. When our job is not to help people drift away from the things of God, our job is to help connect people to the things of God. Amen. The um, scripture in 2 Peter 1.19 is, is a good thing for us to remember today. We also have the prophet's message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to what? 
Pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. So when we say pay attention, we mean hearken or listen closely and continually with an attitude and actions that show understanding and obedience to that standard. In other words, we hear with an attitude to do. Amen? If we want to be people that stay connected to the things of God and don't drift away, we're going to have to pay attention, not less, but what? More. We've got to dredge up all the things we've ever heard, everything we've ever been taught, everything we've ever stood upon, and bring that back to our holy remembrance and pay more attention to what the Spirit of God is saying than ever before. Because there are people in this nation, unless they catch this message and they catch it quickly, they're not going to survive this tsunami. They're not going to survive this hurricane that's out there. And it's going to be an individual decision. It's going to be family influence. It's going to be people making up their mind. What we're doing here is more important than what the world's trying to do to us. Amen? At the end of the day, we're still the light. We're still the salt. Amen? We are still the key. We are still the church with its flaws and its warts and everything imperfect. We are still the best thing going in this world. Turn to somebody and tell them, you're the best thing going in this world right now. But if the best thing drifts, we can't drift and reach this world. That's not going to happen. I talked to you about some individual reasons why we drift, but here are some institutional or cultural reasons why we drift. This drift is being accelerated right now by the force in this culture and us paying attention to the wrong voices. It's not just individual reasons, but it's cultural strategy. No, I don't think that everybody in this country and these different gates or influences are all that smart to come up with this. I think they're pawns of the devil. Some of them are. But most of them are just caught up into deception like everybody else. For example, the government. Right now, the government is hell-bent on socialism, and I used hell-bent for a reason. Because it's never worked anywhere in the history of the world. You have to be thoroughly deceived to ram socialism down the most successful nation in the history of the world, thinking that somehow this is going to work. So why would they do it? Because the ones that truly believe in it do it to gain power. It's about power. It's not about helping people. It's never worked and never will work, but it does get people into power who don't have it. And right now, at every turn, we're being told this is the way that we should walk, and this is the way we should think. And I'm telling you that God has never supported it. If you don't believe me, read the story of the Tower of Babel and see what God did to socialism. And you will find out, according to the end time scriptures in Matthew, in the back of Matthew, they will be what? Buying and selling, married and giving in marriage till what? Till that day he comes. It is not socialism. It is a free market enterprise. That's just how it works. You give me a chicken, I give you some money. Amen. You give me a turkey and I pay more money this year than I ever have. That's the way it is. Is it perfect? No. But try to tell people that the government is your answer. All over America, we have employers and businesses who can't find people to work. Why? Because they have been satisfied and complacent to be on the dole of the states this entire COVID season. And decisions and policies have consequences. And if you're one of those ones with that mindset, I'll just stay home and draw what the state gives, then you're part of the problem. 
As a Christian, you have a responsibility to do something productive and useful with your hands, according to Ephesians, so that you can have something to give to somebody else. It's not holding your hand out to the government. It's you holding your hand out to somebody else. It's a totally different paradigm, but it's being absolutely rammed down our throat because those that, pro that profess this doctrine, they do so because they want power. Ironically, going from 1949 to present-day China, I want you to help me understand how the premier of China, his family, can be worth $6 billion in a communist society. Because it is those who are part of the party who have all the money. The rest of the state can basically go to hell in a handbasket. You allow yourself to be influenced by this and think it is something that's godly. It is not. But you will find a generation that is now here and the next generation that believes this is perfectly acceptable. It's never worked. And if you think it works, I encourage you to take a trip down to Venezuela and walk the streets and see what socialism did to what was the fourth most powerful economy anywhere in the Western Hemisphere. But it's not just the government, it's the business world. Who now think it's more important, more important to be woke than it is just to build businesses and employ people. From Coca-Cola to Levi's, who are now anti gun Could you imagine Levi's being anti-gun? Or CVS ramming down critical race theory to all of its managers and all of its people. Or Nike, or even Major League Baseball, who said when Georgia passed some very common sense election laws, they decided to move the All-Star game to Denver, where Colorado had 10 times more restrictive laws than Georgia had. Well, the Lord got even. The Atlanta Braves won the World Series. The Lord doth have a sense of humor. And these people in Major League Baseball need to get a clue. But it's not just business, it's media. They're no longer truth tellers. They have a political ideology and an agenda. Everything they do, every opinion they express is to push what they think is the right direction for this country. That's not what they're supposed to be doing. In fact, if you go to Murray State and take a 100-level journalism class, they'll tell you we're supposed to just report the news. And people are supposed to decide if they believe it or whatever. That's not the case anymore. And it's not just that influence in the media. It's now you know, seeking in everywhere else. And if you don't play by our rules, we're going to punish you. This is very powerful right now in this country. Then there's the arts and entertainment uh, gate where... They're pushing the secular view and a social agenda with every movie, with every song, with everything. They're forcing this stuff down our throats. And if you're not careful, you're being sucked into it. Your mind is being affected by this stuff, and you don't even know it. You find yourself being you know, indifferent to social ills and things that contradict the word of God and to each his own, blah, 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 because you're being pounded nonstop with a morality that contradicts the word of God. Until all of a sudden you're a Christian without conviction. Because I don't want to judge anybody. I want to be one of them loving, tolerant kind of Christians. Can I tell you something? You know, God is not as tolerant as you think he is. When you're blood-bought, hallelujah. Then there's education. Instead of teaching our kids reading, writing, and arithmetic, we want to teach them CRT and wokeism. We want to teach them that fundamentally an entire race of people is evil and if they say they're not racist, that's a sign they're a racist. 
You can't win with these people. And I'm telling you that pay attention in your school districts for this stuff seeping in. Some rogue teacher or administrator and stand up for your kids. And if they won't listen to your kids, get them out of that system. Because it is propaganda, it is not education. It can't happen here. It can happen here. I'm just simply telling you, I don't know that it's happening here, but I'm telling you, be awake and aware as people of God. Because it is not scriptural. It is not true. It is not history. Meanwhile, we lag behind every other developed nation in key indicators and performance from math to science. Well, our kids are taught about perverse sexual acts in their health class in sixth grade, handed condoms out, and taught that by virtue of the color of your skin, you are institutionally wicked and always will be. What is it when you declare an entire color of people evil or wrong or less than? It's called racism. CRT itself is racist. We don't want to be colorblind. Oh, yeah, we do, because the Lord Jesus Christ made us in his image. Are you here today? And we're all made of dirt. White dirt, black dirt, red dirt, yellow dirt, amen, brown dirt. And then we have white dirt. We go out sitting in the sun so we can have darker dirt. So <laughs> world is messed up. Look at the mind and say, it's still dirt. Say it with me, dirt is dirt. Hallelujah. And the sad thing is, and this is why it's, it's so bothersome, the born-again, spirit-filled, on-fire, word-of-faith church is the most integrated church in the world. You want to know why? Because all they see is the word of God and what it will do for you. All people see is what the word can do if an individual will embrace it. Our highest potential is not in trying to separate each other and judge each other, but love each other under the, the banner of his love and, of course, through the auspices and, and, and influence of the Word of God. Thank God for the Word of God. Amen. I said, thank God for the Word of God. Amen. You get a bunch of Christians that are just hungry for the things of God. They don't see anything but the Lord and his brother and his sister. God help us. I'm just simply saying that that's the key. Don't let yourself be lured into, sucked into, drift away into this nonsense. The family should be a bastion of spiritual strength and support. It's abdicating its responsibility all over the country. Letting children make spiritual decisions for the entire family. Children making decisions for their own welfare spiritually. I'll say it to you again. You're the parent. You tell the child what they're going to do. Monday morning comes and child says, I don't want to go to school. Tough, you're going. Back up a day. We're going to Sunday school. I don't want to go to Sunday school. Okay, you don't have to. You're going to go to that youth trip. You're going to go to that children's event. I don't want to go. Okay, you don't have to go. Here come Monday morning. I don't want to go to school. You're going to school. Let's all go. We're going to go to the Wednesday night youth because kids, you really need to be involved in the youth program. So let's go. No, I'm not going. I don't want to go. Okay, you don't have to go. Thursday morning comes. I don't want to go to school. You're going to school. Get the picture, people. Let me try that one more time. Do you get the picture, people? 
You've already been sucked into the drift and you don't even realize it. You do not let your children tell them what they're going to do spiritually. You tell those children what they're going to do spiritually. Timothy tells everybody he was half dead. We drug him to church. Huh? Your kids are not anointed to run your family spiritually. Well, they don't like it. I bet you they don't like school sometimes. Huh? Think about all the other things you tell them to do and don't blink an eye. But when it comes to the things of God and you have a problem being the parent, put your big boy spiritual pants on, Amen and be the family that needs to be the family today. Influence your kids for the glory of God. So that's just going to push them away from the house of God. Let me uh, share, they're already pushed away from the house of God. By having them in the house of God, just one moment with the Spirit of God, one word from God can change their life forever. Amen? I don't want all that fussing and complaining and all that kicking. No, no, there's no fussing or complaining. You're the parent. Raise your hand. Say this after me. I'm the parent. I make the decisions. Amen. It's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church today. The last influence or gate is the church. And, of course, it's being corrupted by leadership all over the country. Now adopting a low view of the authority of the Word of God. If I don't believe this is authoritative, then I can pick and choose as I want to. I can decide if this morality is for today or not. I can say stupid things like, well, you know, uh, you know, yes, God said something about homosexuality in the Old Testament, but he also talked about not having shellfish, and today people don't shellfish. And I replied to that. First of all, Paul addressed that same sexuality issue as the apostle of God who wrote most of the New Testament, so it's not an Old Testament issue. But on the other hand, Sodom and Gomorrah was not destroyed because of shellfish. Are you here today, church? So I don't believe that that applies anymore. So where does it stop? We toss out the word of God and the authority. Yeah? There's a gospel of social justice in the church instead of the redemption from sin gospel. There is no social justice unless you deal with the sin issue. There never will be. You see the exclusion or redefinition of traditional Christian terms. Love no longer means loving God with your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength according to his precepts, according to his example. Love is, if you love people, you let them do what they want to do, and you accept them unconditionally, and you don't expect any change, any transition. Everybody's welcome to come to Hope Harbor Church. I said everybody's welcome to come here, but we're not going to water down the word to make you feel good about your sin. Let me try that again. We are not going to water down the word so you'll feel better about your sin. Yeah, that's the influence right now. That's what the message is. If you'll do this, pastors, then people will come and they'll be grateful and you'll have great church services, blah, blah, blah. You'll have a room full of people that are no more transformed than they are in the bar. Next is an exaltation of feelings over absolute truth. It's no longer what the Word says. It's what I feel about that, whether it's authoritative or not. 
Then there's a reinterpretation of classic Christian doctrines that conflict with social norms. We just set that normal doctrine aside and we just choose to do what we want to do at that point in time. So you see, it's no longer just you as the individual with the pressure on you. The entire culture has been infiltrated. Every gate has been infiltrated. While the church remained silent and said we shouldn't be involved in that, the government is ramming this down our throat. Business and media, arts, entertainment, education, the family, and even the church. Well, you know what? We can't say anything about every church, but how do you understand? We can say something about this part of the church of Jesus Christ. And I can't say everything about everybody's family, but I can make up my mind, amen, that I'm going to be an influence for the things of God, not encouraging my kids and grandkids to drift, but to stay tighter to the Lord than ever before. Amen? Let me just briefly talk to you about the nature of this drift. First Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. How many you know he would love to get you? He'd love to get your family. Come on, say it with me. Not here. Not today. Not tomorrow. Not ever. Why? Because you're going to be wise. You're going to understand the nature of the drift. First of all, the drift is from orthodoxy to unchristian beliefs. Orthodoxy simply means right believing. In today's society, you'll hear this all the time. Uh, Kelly told me this was uh, posted the other day again. It just seems to be constantly out there, the, the mantra of the mindset today, even among Christians, that a loving God would not send someone to hell. Well, let me explain this to you. Next time somebody throws that up at you, you're going to be well-armed to deal with it. Are you all ready for this? Let me explain this to you. you. You and I and every other human being, it's like we're caught in the middle of the worst forest fire in the history of mankind. And it's just a few meters away from us. We're already in the fire. And the only one who can come and rescue you is Jesus. And if he comes to throw you on his back and take you out of the fire and you say no, it's not a loving God sending you to hell. You refuse to be rescued. We're all ready in the fire. It's not a loving God sending anybody to the fire. We're all ready in it. Our ticket to hell has already been punched. Jesus didn't come to send somebody to hell. He came to rescue us from hell. But you're going to have to let him rescue you. You'd be amazed how much of this now is, is invading the church to the point where they won't even talk or preach on the concept of hell, calling it man-made. No, it's not man-made. It's Jesus-made. He gives us the doctrine. And he's also the one that rescues people from it. Let him carry you out, you're saved. Reject him and you burn. And it's not his fault. There's a drift from orthopraxy to unchristian conduct. Orthopraxy just means right being, or right doing, rather, right, right to behavior, right practice or conduct, instead of wrong practice and conduct. In the church, things are being approved of today that 20 years ago were anathema. 
Today you've seen things going on in the church that, that you know, years ago people would just be totally grieved about. But now it's perfectly acceptable to believe wrong and to act wrong. Look at somebody and tell them, not here. Come on, say, we still have a standard. Years ago, one of our businessmen ran into somebody in the community, a leader in this community, and that leader said to this person in our church, where do you go to church at? And uh, he said, I, I go with my family to Hope Harbor Church. He goes, ooh, that's a serious church. And I've always thought about that. What on earth does he mean? As, a, as opposed to a non-serious church? As, as a take these things seriously? Look at somebody and say, ooh, you go to a serious church. We, we know what he really meant. A church with a standard. A church where the word of God is still first place and final authority. A church where the word is valued and the spirit of God is welcome. A church that still says there's a standard for holiness. Even though we all haven't arrived, we know it exists. And instead of getting rid of the standard to make ourselves feel better, we strive to what? We strive to let him float in us so that we can measure up to his standard. One day we will perfectly. There's a drift from biblical worldview to man-centered worldview. It used to be all about God, now it's all about me. A drift from integrity of the word to questioning its authority by rejecting the Bible, we can reject the standard for life. A drift from absolute truth to what? To relative truth, our own truth. You hear this come out in every voice in the world. Live your truth, baby. You live your own truth. You live your own truth, you're going to die. There's only one truth. A drift from relationship with Christ to religion, ornamental, ritualistic, just going through the motions. A drift from spiritual justice to social justice. Jesus is the only pathway to justice, period. A Drift from outward focus, souls and discipleship to inward focus, church members and regulars. The drift needs to go back to caring about people that are lost. You and I are already saved. The unsaved, the unchurched and de-churched should matter more than just having things done our way because we're Christians. Thank you for your enthusiasm over that revelation. A drift from zeal to lifelessness, excitement and enthusiasm. A drift from holiness to impurity. And a drift from sacred to the secular. Say it with me, the sacred to the secular. Do y'all remember when Christmas was about Jesus? And I encourage you to come out Christmas Eve and be reminded of that if you're not. Amen. <laughs> but Christmas really is about Jesus. Is it not? The incarnation of the Son of God coming down for you and for me for one set purpose, to die for the sins of the world. Amen. And yet, because of the influence of the secular, the sacred is diminishing even in the minds and the hearts of God's people. Did you know? Did you know that right now there are 296 movies that have been produced by Hallmark for Christmas? <laughs> Say it with me 200. And 96, 160 of them just since 2018. 2020 and 21, 41 brand new movies. Now I'll have one of 12 different plots. And one of 12 different actors. 
but you won't find one with explicit description of what Christmas is about. They'll say Christmas is about family, cooking and gathering and lights and presents and gingerbread houses, but you will not hear them tell the explicit story of what it's really all about. Now, you want to watch them? That's perfectly fine. In my house, I don't really have a choice. Um, to their credit, they're, they're wholesome. You're not going to hear profanity. You're not going to see immorality. But they will now throw in the, the casual relationship, same-sex relationship, because they got under pressure by, by the culture. But you will not hear anything about what? Now imagine you're raised up with 41 brand new movies and that's all you listen to and watch about Christmas. In 10, 20 years, what do you think Christmas is? How can you have Christmas movies and never talk about the Christ? I sat there a couple years ago and I was watching them. They were singing a, a very, very common Christmas hymn and they literally took the name of Jesus out of the hymn. They don't want to offend anybody. They don't mind offending us. They don't want to offend the rest of the world. Jesus can't even have his own holiday. Most of everything right now regarding Christmas is completely detached from why he came and what it's all about. So for the next four weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate Emmanuel. Amen. Amen. I'm going to celebrate him. Celebrate him as a wonderful counselor. Celebrate him as the mighty God. Celebrate him as the everlasting father. Celebrate him as the prince of peace. Celebrate that name. That just can't get, seem to get any mention out there in the secular anymore. Amen. 296 movies. That's a lot of cheese. <laughs> and no, I did not wear my, um, my Hallmark watching movie shirt today. So. How many of y'all want to avoid the drift? Raise your hand up high if you want to avoid the drift. It's out there. Individual pressures and cultural pressures, they're out there. They're not going to go anywhere. But you can make up your mind that you're not going to drift. Isaiah 48, 17 and 18 says this. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. How many like peace like a river? Never ending, always flowing, nothing missing, nothing broken, consistently filled with life and joy and victory and peace. I can get a hold of that. How to avoid the drift, number one, stay connected to your Bible. Stay connected to your Bible. Proverbs 4.20, my son, pay attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to the whole body. As long as you'll stay connected to the word of God, you'll always have access to the thoughts and perspective of God. You'll stay connected if you'll stay connected to the word of God. Number two, stay connected to your God. 
Jesus said in John 15, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. And James 4, 8 tells us to draw near to God. And he'll what? Draw near to you. Stay connected to your Bible. Stay connected to your God. Number three, stay connected to your church services. Hebrews 10, 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. How many believe he is soon to come back? What do you do? You're more committed. Amen. Whether it's Sunday morning or Wednesday night or Sunday school or it is you know, special prayer times or corporate prayer times, and you'll see all of these released as we go into the new year. It's important for you to stay connected to them. We have no idea how, how much power is released in our lives to live this life out, you know, the way God wants us to live this, this life, by connecting with people in worship. Amen. You add something by being here, and you subtract something when you're not here. Look at somebody say, you matter. Mel Gibson says that he's a small issue to it. You're not a small issue to it. You matter. It's particularly important for you to be consistent. Stay connected to your church services. Uh, you know, people have taken the COVID license to do whatever they want to do. Well, guess what? I'm taking that license away. Because first it's COVID, alpha, beta, gamma, then it's delta, and this week it's Omicron. In the next six months, they'll run out of Greek letters. Sickness and disease, war, rumors of war, famine. This is not going to stop. So you're going to have to make up your mind. You're going to live according to what God's word has said. You use wisdom and you gather, you do what you need to do, but you need to come out of your intimidation and fear and come back into the land of the living. Because if that's all it takes to keep you bound, the devil will keep something coming at you all the time. I joked about this a few weeks ago, you know, with my wife. I said, here comes the next letter. And then Delta came. And I said, oh, they're not done yet. Oh, sure enough, South Africa, now we have Omicron coming. Why don't we start confessing Jesus as much as we confess the word COVID, what would happen in our lives, in our church, in our nation? Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. Look at somebody say, did pastor just take away my COVID cart? <laughs> Stay connected to your mission, your area of service. Be soul conscious and invade each gate with your influence. Ephesians 2.10, for we're God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he's planned for us long ago. God's got plans for you. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep serving God. Don't come off of it. Be faithful to do what you're supposed to do. Stay connected to your Bible, to your God, to your church services. Stay connected to your service mission. Glory to God. For some reason, church didn't think it was a big deal for us to emphasize this for years and years and years but I want to emphasize it. There are people in this room, you need to invade the government with your presence. Run for school boards and magistrates. Run for office. 
in the business realm, build your business, expand your influence, run into that gate with Jesus and light a candle. Amen. Get involved with media, not just social media. Start being the person of influence. Get involved with arts and entertainment. Instead of criticizing Christians that are involved in that industry, thank God they're there spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like tongue-talking Tyler Perry. Well, you know, Medea cusses sometimes. Well, how, well shazam. <laughs> Could you even imagine the impact he's having in that industry by not being afraid to go in there? As that man did, he went and he bought a former Confederate Army base, and that's where his studio is outside Atlanta, Georgia. I think that's pretty cool, amen? You talk about justice. And somebody will make a movie, and you won't like this, you won't like that. You need to back up and look at the big picture here and see that people need to be, from the body of Christ, implanted in arts and entertainment. Rush in there. Get involved with education. At every level, from the little ones all the way through college, be an influencer. Get involved with what the family is doing. Speak up for the family. Be an advocate for the things of God. And certainly be committed to your church like you never have been before. Well, I'm loosely this. Every once in a while, and it's so sad. <laughs> I'll get a call. Pastor, you got a call from somebody, somebody, somebody. And I said, oh, okay, I don't know who that is. Well, they said their, their, their mom or dad or brother or sister or whatever was a, a part of Hope Harbor Church. I said, part of Hope Harbor Church? Which Hope Harbor Church? You don't have a clue who they are. In their mind, they're connected. My response is, you're out of your mind. You're either connected or you're not. And when the pastor doesn't know who you are, you're not very connected. It's a sad thing. Be more involved than you ever have before. And stop the drift in your life. Amen. Shout it out with me. Stay connected to your Bible. Your God. Your church services. Your service mission. Hallelujah. Stay connected to your leaders. Hebrews 13, 17, we love this verse. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. <laughs> For that would be of no advantage to you. Amen. Do you know that five minutes with a pastor at a critical juncture in your life can keep you from drifting? It won't take 15 years of counseling. Just one anointed word. It can make all the difference in the world. But honestly, I've had people who've come to me and said, Pastor, would you please counsel me about my spouse? Would you counsel me? Same person. Counsel me about my job. Counsel me about my kids. Counsel me about this, this, you know, this boy that's running into some trouble. Would you do this? Would you do that? And then one day I look up and, and they're gone. Haven't been here for a year. Now, if I could counsel you about all that, could I not counsel you about your transition spiritually? Your, your pastors, your shepherds, your, your team of leaders can keep you out of a lot of ditches. Amen. And drift does not even begin to describe what's happening to so many people who are not connected with leadership in the body of Christ. Not to control, not to manipulate, not to dominate, 
but to serve and to love and to counsel and to pray with you. Amen. I want to just challenge you today. Stay hooked up. Stay connected. It's entirely appropriate for you to expect to get counsel from those that are serving you. Amen. And you never know when that's going to be the very thing that turns your life to victory from defeat. Amen. Look at somebody say, stay connected. Uh, you could probably discern in the word of God that, that, that people were a lot more connected than today. Because if, if, you know, Billy Bob is even subtly rebuked by the pastor, Billy Bob just go on down to second church. And then Billy Bob don't like it over there, so then Billy Bob go over to third church. And there ain't no communication between the pastors of those three churches to find out that Billy Bob is just carrying his problems with him wherever he goes because Billy Bob won't listen. Amen? And I'm preaching better than y'all are staring at me right now. Look at somebody and say, don't be Billy Bob. And last, stay connected to your brothers and sisters. The Bible says in Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Every believer should have someone who can encourage them and mentor them, and when necessary, tell them to knock it off. Look at somebody and tell them, knock it off. Pray for you, encourage you, and tell you, stop it. But you know, a lot of people don't have that. Amen. Because it's no fun to be the person to tell somebody to knock it off. Amen. Look at somebody and say, you need that, though. Without these things, we're going to drift. Come on, say it out loud. I'm not a drifter. I refuse to drift in Jesus' name. Why don't you stand on your feet and give the Lord a hand clap today and thank him, Lord.